You know, when I uh, listen to rock and roll, uh, I, I constantly think about like chord changes and chord progressions and things like that, patterns on the guitar. Because most rock is written on the guitar, that's not that hard to do, uh, especially if you like rock and roll and you play guitar. Uh, when I was much younger, in my 20s, and learning guitar, I found the easiest way to learn a song's chord patterns or some of the leads was just to, you know, play along with the records. Remember our records? Uh, one friend of mine found that really frustrating because he wanted to play guitar, but he couldn't figure that stuff out. I thought it was interesting because I was trained as a drummer, but not as a guitarist. I thought I had, you know, good uh, rhythm. And once I figured out the bar chords, you know, I, I just learned guitar by playing along and learning the chords and figuring things out as I went. You could do an A chord. You could move that up to a C. You could do a G bar. Move that up to an A. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I think about that when I think about learning in general. We all learn a little differently, but I, I find that when I looked over someone's shoulders uh, or just jump in, that's how it worked best. you got to kind of immerse yourself. So how do you learn, huh? Hello, this is Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy, and this is the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for September 24th, 2018. Uh, thanks for joining me. You can find me online at Trade Show Guy on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also there on uh, Pinterest, although I don't spend a lot of time there, but uh, I'm there on occasion. LinkedIn, of course, uh, and, and my blog is at TradeShowGuyBlog.com. My company's website is TradeShowGuyExhibits.com. Project management, logistics, handling, new booths, all that sort of stuff. Uh, this week on the podcast slash video blog, I have a really fun guest, Andrew Bennett, whom I ran across while reading a newsletter from Pamela Slim. Uh, did a little poking around online and thought that Andrew might be a good guest, so I emailed him. He said yes immediately and uh, agreed to be on the show. So we took a pretty deep dive into how events, trade shows, conferences, events can help revitalize the human spirit by face-to-face -face meetings. We really like that, even in this day and age of digital connections. So uh, that's what we talked about, and it, and it went on from there. A great conversation. I think you'll like it. I want to welcome Andrew Bennett to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Andrew, I so much appreciate you spending some time with me this morning. Uh, thank you for being a part. Thanks, Tim. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I ran across you in a Pamela Slim newsletter. I hadn't heard of you. This has been the last couple of weeks, and, and uh, so I... We've had a nice chance to chat here in the green room, but uh, tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, uh, gosh, I'm a uh, uh, speaker. Uh, I consider myself an inspirational speaker and um, a consultant who specializes in um, leadership and um, organizational culture and, uh, and then a coach. So I coach individuals and teams and uh, my background, just in a real nutshell, is there's kind of two parts to it. I spent the first 10 years of my career climbing the corporate ladder, and my first boss was Ross Perot. Mm -hmm. And so he became my mentor and kind of shepherded me through his company, rotating positions every two years. And then in 1997, I started my own um, consulting practice and... Um, so it's been 21 years now, and I work with clients all over the world. And these are, I partner, I consider it a partnership with leaders who want to create an environment where people can thrive. So, you know, really feel fulfilled in their work, able to do their best work, able to be creative, um, you know, all the positive stuff that you would hope a workplace could, could provide. 
Well, I know that one of the, the I reached out to you after I, I read a little bit about you in, in Pam's newsletter. And and so I thought, well, maybe you'd, you'd be a good guest. Let's explore this a little bit. And, and when you got back to me, you said, you know, it's great that there's a recognition of the value of face-to-face meetings. And, and you said it, but something that really caught my eye was the purpose of revitalizing the human spirit and trade shows are communities where people get revitalized. So let's dig into that a little bit. What, what do you feel about that? Why, why do you, why do you sense that? Well, just, I'll tell you my um, real um, passion behind that. And one of the things I was talking to my wife about anticipating my conversation with you and we were talking about the link between trade shows and my work and my wife, who's the chief learning officer for a federal government agency, um, uh, has, goes to a lot of trade shows. And she said what she senses in a lot of people that go to trade shows is one element of why they go there is to get revitalized, to get inspired, to get new ideas, to meet new people that are um, interesting and helpful. Um, So I think the things that uh, I do are very much about, you know, revitalizing people. And I think that probably the people that listen to this show uh, are people that are interacting with people and they can really make a difference in, in their lives. That may sound grandiose in, you know, in a brief exchange at, at an exhibit, but <clears throat> I think every time we have an interaction with someone, we have this opportunity to lift their spirits. And, you know, my goodness, we, don't we need that in the world <laughs> in general Yes, right now? So... I think that's kind of the connection that I make to uh, your world. I think that, you know, when I look at events and trade shows and conferences, you know, 10 years ago when the recession hit, there was a, a big dip in, in all of that. But, and then, of course, at the same time, all the social media and all the digital connections were, were coming about. And there was a lot of observations at the time that said, you know, trade shows are just not going to be what they, they have been in, in the past. Oh, and, and, sure. and I, I, you know, it's, it's a really thriving industry. It really has been over the last several years. It's really come along in some industries more th- than others, but I've always felt that, uh, and I've been a blogger for 10 years talking mm-hmm. about this among other things that, that the face to face part of it, you know, and you put it in a great way, revitalizing the, the human spirit, uh, but the face-to-face is very, very important. As much as you connect digitally, people need to see each other face-to-face. They need to shake a hand. They need to see a smile. They need to go pat somebody on the back. They need to go out and, and have dinner together. Whatever the case may be, it, it's, it's, a, it's part of the business world, and it's part of the human world. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the foundation of that is trust. Like, I, I think there's almost like this hierarchy that if you talk to someone on the phone okay, you know, you get some personal connection. You have a video exchange with someone. That's a little better because you can yeah. see their body language. But you meet them in person. There's something, something about that human-to-human, uh, face-to-face contact that establishes trust. And I would think that's a huge uh, factor that uh, people at trade shows would want to establish with clients is trust. And I think that comes from just spending face-to-face time with people. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, one of the things I just popped into my head is that clients uh, that I work with go to shows for a different reasons, different shows. Um, of course, they want to go to grow their business, but there's a client I work with 
who goes to shows to do a couple things. They want to dominate their industry, so they have a big booth. But they also, they, they don't really look to sell anything new. They may introduce some new products, but they have a huge meeting space, and they meet all their partners and clients that they work with. And that's the important part of the show for the three days of the show. They schedule meetings from you know, dawn to dusk the whole time, both at the show and outside of the show. And so they're going there, again, to reconnect with the people that are important to them that are distributing their products. And I think that's uh, probably a, a key to, to why uh, shows are still successful and will continue to be successful. Yeah, it's relationships, right? It really is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, I'm curious, uh, the way that you work with companies, uh, uh, workspace, culture, let's talk about that a bit. How important is a culture in a company to, for a company to thrive and be a good place for people to work? That's a great question. And the answer is, I think it's huge, huge. Uh, I look at my career as this funnel that it's been this uh, pursuit of what is it that will make a company great um, in in performance, you know, uh, profit, all the all the typical conventional metrics like profitability, productivity, low turnover, kind of the classic set of metrics. How can a company be great on that level and also be great uh, a great place to work? where, like I said earlier, people are thriving. And to me, thriving is just kind of this, it's why I say revitalizing the human spirit. I think when we say human spirit, you don't necessarily need a definition of that. I think we know what the human spirit is. It's the thing that chokes us up when we watch a, a great movie of you know, overcoming adversity. The human spirit is that inherent goodness that we're all born with. So um, how can a company be both great as a business and be this wonderful place where people can become better people? It's so critical, though, because um, Peter Drucker, who was, uh, you know, probably the greatest management teacher, um, consultant of the last, maybe ever, Peter Drucker has this quote that um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> and that and makes sense when that, you think about it, yeah. Yeah, I've seen this over and over and over where a company will have a great strategy or they'll have come up with this great new organizational change in the structure or their business model, all these things that are kind of, um, you know, I'll say technical, that, that they're, they're um, strategic, they're big ideas, but they don't go anywhere because people don't change. Those new ideas, new strategies, they won't come to life if people don't change from the old way to the new way. So if you've got a culture, so for instance, I had a client that really needed to be more innovative. And they needed to be coming up with new ideas. Their industry was really under pressure. Um, technology was creating new competitors that never existed before. And so, and, and the price of entry due to technology is low because technology has become very accessible, very affordable. So where this particular organization was a bricks and mortar with all of the overhead associated with that, the competitors didn't have a bricks and mortar model. It was all 
electronic. And so the opportunity to get in and, and kind of start to eat away at market share for that organization was really easy. And so they were reading the mark, the uh, writing on the wall and came up with new strategies, uh, new business model, a lot of new ideas. And um, they tried to implement them, but their culture was not um, conducive to the to the new ideas and and I'll be a little bit more specific so they wanted people to come up with new ideas they wanted people to be creative offer solutions um, really help them break through to a new level but the culture there was a highly critical culture and it started at the top with a couple of the absolute top senior executives who were just critical people. Yeah. They cut down ideas. They were sarcastic. They were cynical. Um, and I, you know, I had a conversation with the president and I said, you know, your strategies, you know, trying to implement these strategies is like throwing seeds on concrete. You know, your people, because they've been cut down so often, they're afraid to bring new ideas because they, they're just tired of being, shot down. And so right. people have clammed up around here and um, they're walking on eggshells. So until you change that, um, you won't be able to implement the new strategies that, that um, have to do with the future of your, of your organization. So yeah, I was going to say it's, it's probably comes from the top, no matter what organization it is. You see that uh, with big companies in the news that, the downfall of someone who's just, you know, has, has, a, has a horrible culture that, that spreads throughout it kind of, you know, I've never been in a huge corporation like that. I've worked in smaller companies, but it, it, if the person at the top is acting that way, it gives everyone else permission to kind of do the same. That's, that's my sense of it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it gets magnified. Yeah. You know, it's, it starts at that level and it's, it's so subtle and insidious that you kind of don't notice that it's happening, but the influence of a senior executive on the executive at the next layer down is that kind of, um, uh, not to sound too woo woo here, but I mean, that kind of energy is baked into that exchange. And so the next leader down is going to convey some of that same energy to the next level. And so it, it trickles down. Um, but it just has this magnified effect. It's like they're it's empowered to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Say that again. They're empowered to, to act that the same way, if not worse than yeah. what their boss is acting like. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not to say that culture can't, um, you can't work on culture at a grassroots level. You can't change things. The organization that I just mentioned to you, um, you know, we'd been doing some work with uh, the middle layer of management and those people were really digging in and looking at themselves and looking at how uh, they could be much more, um, uh, you know, empowering, um, inspiring, you know, all the good stuff. They were looking at it. Uh, but the senior folks were not. So it can happen at other levels, but you only get so far. I mean, yeah, that senior yeah. level really has to, I think it's critical for leaders that want to revitalize their culture. Um, humility is extremely important. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and openness to looking at oneself 
uh, courageousness in hearing feedback that may be difficult to hear, um, persistence in um, making changes and sticking with the hard work of making changes. And, and so, yeah. Being vulnerable, I'm sure, is a big part of it, too. Being, Being able vulnerable to do that, is yeah. a huge yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was a, a client that I worked with where the senior executives really did step in to um, looking at themselves, and they got feedback. Um, the senior executive team got feedback from people all around them in the organization, and they actually called a, a whole company meeting, got everybody in the same room. This was a small organization, about 100 people, got them all in the same room. And uh, it started with the president. And she stood up in front of the group and said, you know, from your feedback, I, uh, I see that you see me as someone very strategic and you really value that. And you're glad that I'm at the helm because of that. And she said, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm bragging. I, I own that. I am good at that. Uh, but she said, I also learned from you that um, I, when I get under stress, I become hypercritical. Mm. And I start cutting down ideas. It's similar to the other organization I was mentioning. Yeah, I start cutting down ideas. And she said, I'm not conscious of it. I've done it probably my whole life. I came from a family where I was the only girl. I had brothers. And in order to survive in my family, you had to be able to win the argument. And so yeah, I got yeah. really good at being critical. And so I'm not conscious of it, but I real, you know, I learned from the feedback that I'm shutting people down around here. You're not coming to me with ideas anymore, and we can't have that. So I need your help in changing. Interesting. And so yeah. the first person, when she finished, there was a person in the uh, audience that raised his hand, and he said, I respect you so much for what you just did, for talking about something that m people might see as a weakness, uh, for being vulnerable. Yeah. And he said, it makes me want to take a deeper look at myself, which, wow. Yeah. You know, if you have people in an organization that are inspired to look at themselves, so you have, now you're starting to cultivate this culture where people are taking responsibility for themselves. Yeah, the barriers start to come down. It's interesting. And and really? you want to be in, a, in an organiza uh, organization like that. I was just curious, one more thing. Um, you know, you, you, your company's been around 21 years. You're probably close to my age, although I'm probably a few years <laughs> past you. <laughs> but, you know, the, the younger generation, they're now in their 20s. I'm just curious if you see that they're looking to change careers more often, go to a different place. Are they more open to just leaving? Or, you know, because it, the old story was you worked at a place – and maybe you worked in two or three places your whole life and that was it. And now yeah. people change a lot more. I'm curious if you see in your, in your business the, a younger generation that is willing to move on quicker if they don't see what they want at the workplace. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, a lot of times people are, it seems like there's just mostly criticism of millennials, for example, but I think we have a lot to learn from millennials. I mean, there's, there's challenges with every generation. Sure. Um, and, you know, millennials get criticized. Oh, you know, they're entitled. You know, they grew up, everybody got a trophy. And, you know, so they think they should be number one all the time. But I think one of the values that that generation grew up with was uh, 
wanting to make a difference and feeling like uh, what you're doing with your time makes a difference and matters. And, you know, to an extreme that could be seen as narcissistic and, you know, entitlement and all of that. But on a, on a, on a good level, it's really about, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is purposeful. And if an organization is really driven by its purpose, which I think a great organization's purpose should be in some way about making the world better through your products and services, if that's the orientation that you have, then people who also have that orientation, whether they're younger or any age, if they have that orientation that I just read something the other day that we spend something like 90,000 hours in our lifetimes at work. um, You know, I want to make sure that that time is well spent. And so if I'm in an organization where there's uh, uh, respect for that time and that there's an orientation towards we're here to do something of value, um, then, then, that's going to be a place where younger people are going to want to stay. Yeah. If you have buy-in from the bottom, it's like the story I heard the, the late sixties, mid sixties about the janitor who at NASA who said, I'm helping to put a man on the moon, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Andrew, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. We could go on forever and uh, we'll have to do it again maybe sometime, but uh, how can people find you? Uh, website is the best place. It's uh, andrewbennett.com. Great. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me here on uh, Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee, and I hope to meet you again soon. Thanks, Tim. All right. And uh, thanks again to Andrew Bennett for joining me on the podcast. Great to meet and chat with him. Uh, This week's Trade Show Tip of the Week comes from my first book, Trade Show Success. Uh, (laughs) Hang on just a second. Hang on. All right. First book, Trade Show Success. Second book, Trade Show uh, Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies. But... um, I came up with a series of questions on one of the chapters in here on kind of things you should ask yourself, uh, you and your team what might want to address after a show is all done to make sure you're capturing all the information, all the data available at the show. Uh, so once the show is done, good questions to ask. I got, um, I got, I got 14 of them, 14. Number one, what's your show's follow-up plan? Okay, need to know that. Number two, what's your lead capture method? Uh, this may be one, something you ask before the show, but it's good to know for the next show as well. Number three, how many leads did you bring back to the office from each show last year? Did you keep track of that? Okay. Number four, who follows up on the leads and how are those executed? Is it uh, emails, phone calls, in person? Number five, how well does your team follow your lead generation and tracking plan? So you got a plan, assuming you got a plan, how well do you guys actually follow it? Number six, what might you do to improve the system? Once you got it down to what you're currently doing and you know what you're doing, how do you improve it? Number seven, are you gaining at least a five to one return on your trade show marketing program investment? That's a tough call. I don't know. Uh, number eight, are you able to measure the return on investment each year and each event? Do you do you capture that information enough to know so that what leads and what information and what, what profit came out from a certain show, you can capture that information. Number nine, have you determined the cost per lead at each event? You got 200 leads, it costs you X amount of money, you make the, the, the do the division, and you know how much each lead costs you, okay? 
Uh, number 10, what's the ratio of leads generated to those who became clients? Out of those 200 leads, did 10 become clients? Did 20? Did 50? What was it? What's the ratio? Number 11, what happens when people stop by your booth? In other words, uh, do you have an activity or some sort of engagement that takes place? Is that planned? Is it just kind of off the cuff? Maybe you should plan something if you don't have something. Uh, number uh, 12, what is your follow-up plan? How do you determine the messaging and frequency of individual follow-ups? Is it an, Are they in an email list? Are you making phone calls? What are you doing? Number 13, are you able to measure the results of your follow-up? Do you track... Uh, how people get into your pipeline, how they become a prospect, how they become a client, what happens after that. And number 14, are the people you follow up with glad to hear from you or you are they looking forward to getting off the phone? In other words, when you get them on the phone, do they know who you are? Do they remember you? Do they remember the interaction? Uh, what is the value you bring to each encounter so that they're happy to take your calls? This and more in the book, uh, both of them available on Amazon. All right. Uh, this week's one good thing is the Upreneur FM podcast from Chris Ducker. I don't think I've featured it before. I may have mentioned his book in the past, but he's got a cool uh, podcast called Upreneur FM. I think he coined that word uh, from entrepreneur as a individual Upreneur, uh, an Englishman who moved to the Philippines. And I understand I just heard one of his recent uh, uh, podcasts or videos. He's moving back to the United Kingdom. Anyway, very entertaining podcast. He's a great guy. Tons of great information, most of which is focused on online marketing, but still some great ideas, even if that's uh, not your main thrust of uh, what you're doing marketing-wise. It's still a fun podcast. And when he has an interview, he really takes deep dives. When it's a short one, it's pretty short. So you get a little of both with that. So it's the Upreneur FM, Upreneur.fm podcast from Chris Ducker. That's this week's One Good Thing. That's it. Have yourself a great week. 